If you don't mind, turn in your word to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 1. John chapter 8, verse 1. If you guys don't mind, stand back with me just this morning because we always stand for the reading of the word. Amen. It's probably the most traditional thing we probably do. Um, (laughs) Amen. John chapter 8, verse 1. He says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman. The Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Now, Moses and the law commanded us that should such be stoned, But what do you say? Hello? Somebody's wanting to know what Jesus said. This this they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. Can I interject that right there? Sometimes the best thing to do is ignore people. You don't always have to give your opinion to everybody around you. But just, just ignore them. Just ignore them. Just ignore them. Just act like you don't hear them. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And and she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And the Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself and witness is not, your witness is not true. And Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. He's saying to her, they were saying, why are you not throwing judgment at her? And he said, even if I would throw judgment at her, my witness is so true that it would change the judgment upon her life. Good Lord, my good God. For I know where I came from, my good, and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, and I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgments is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of these two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. I want to continue in part two of InsaLife, and I want to teach something this morning called no filter. Look at someone beside you and say, it's time to take off the filter. Look at at the other person and tell them, no filter, no, no filter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence this morning. Father, I worship you, God. Father, God, I worship you, God, for your presence, God, and for the delivering power, God, in your presence. For where you are, God, there is salvation. For where you are, God, there is a turnaround. For where you are, there is deliverance. For where you are, God, there is healing. And Father, I thank you, God, that you are in the room this morning. Uh, Father, I thank you, God, that when judgment stands up, grace stands up even higher. God, I thank you, God, that when judgment is thrown, grace stands up and said, that's my son. That's my daughter you're talking about. And I 
not, don't throw judgment upon them, but it's my blood, it's my blood that took took the, the judgment and now grace is applied. Father, we are a group of people. God that stands here today saying thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for the grace because God, if it was not for the grace, I don't know where I would be at. But God, it is your grace that has kept me through. It is your grace that keeps me even now. And Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Somebody say no filter. No, no filter. You may be seated. So as you can see, we've been doing a series on InstaLife, taken from the, uh, it's a, kind of a name off of Instagram. Um, but instead of Instagram, in a moment in time, we want InstaLife. We want InstaLife to where when you meet Jesus, the Bible says in John 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, I, but Jesus said, I come to give life, and that life more abundantly. And how do you know that no matter what the enemy wants to rob from you or take from you, that there's always life in Jesus? That last week we talked about that in, in, in James, that he says, one that just gets a revealed mention, a, just a revealed corner out of his eye, just one that sees Jesus just for an instant. If you just get the revealed glory of Jesus, he says there is instant free life, instant how many know some of us need Jesus to show up in our situation? Yeah. You've seen your bills far too long. You've seen your marriage the way it is for far too long. You've seen your business so far. You've seen your own life. You've seen your past. You've seen your present. And how many know you need to see Jesus right up in the middle of your situation? And, and, and the reality is, is that, so we've been on this thing and, 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 and I want to kind of just give you a picture of this because the last few weeks, we, the last week we were talking about how a photograph is a secret within a secret. That when you see something, there's a whole backstory within it. That, that there's also a wording, a phrase, a quote that says that a picture is worth a thousand words. And how you know a lot of times we are, we are putting a lot of photographs out there. We are putting a ton of photographs out there. And uh, it says that 80 million photographs are being are, are being added to the internet daily. 80 million photographs are being added. I was reading some quotes today that I thought was interesting that it said every day, every single day, there are 12 years worth of video. Every day, 12 years worth of video being added to YouTube daily. 12 years. <laughs> Every time people go on the internet, it, it, that the majority of the internet is focused on social media alone. A quarter of the internet is surrounded by Facebook by itself. <laughs> Every single day, most of us check our Facebook at least five times a day. Some of y'all, that'd be good. Sometimes it's five times an hour. Have you ever been in have you ever been in a grocery store or at the hospital or, or wherever the case may be and you need help but they're on their phone? And you know they ain't doing nothing important because you see their thumb doing like this. Just scrolling up. And and it says that three hundred and fifty million people have an addiction called a Facebook addiction a disorder. We are addicted to things. We are addicted to it. We are addicted to these situations. I don't want to give this because I know somebody's going to really enjoy this. Because for this simple statement alone, I may never use Facebook ever again, but I may switch completely to Twitter. Uh, the little bird that's on Twitter, y'all know the little bird, the little tweet tweet, the little, the little bird. Uh, his name is Larry. He was named after Larry Bird. Okay, there ain't no basketball fans in the room. I, I mean, there ain't no... Is there any basketball fans in the room at all? For that moment alone, to know that that little bird is named Larry Bird, I may switch to completely to Twitter from now on ever again, using Larry. <laughs> so the reality is there are photos. Man, y'all can laugh. Y'all lighten up today. So the reality is there are photos being streamed all, every single day. The people want a glimpse. You want a glimpse into your life. You want a glimpse you want a glimpse, so you'll show what you're going through at that moment. It may be good, it may be bad, and a lot of times for most of us, we put the very good. We'll have one good moment in the day, we'll glimpse it, and we'll put it on Facebook. Um, and what I found out is about that little photo is that that's not the only photo you took before you decided to put it on Facebook, <laughs> before you decided to put it on Twitter. 
If you have a wife like my wife, we've taken 80 pictures before we actually put that photo on there. I miss the days of Polaroid camera where you got one chance at it, and you better hope you weren't sticking your tongue at You better hope you didn't have your your eyes closed. You better hope that somebody wasn't giving your bird ears over top of your head. You better hope that all that was in order. And that's where the mom would stand and say, everybody get in order. You'd make everybody smile and you'd do all that. And you get one chance to do it right. I miss those days that you get one chance to do it right. Because now digitally we can do it 80 times before we side, before how beautiful my wife may be before we ever put her on Facebook. I'm going to get killed after church. But I just want to say it because I know there's... There's more women in the room that are just like my wife, that it takes you at least 70, 80 pictures before you ever decide that's the right pose right there. And if you ever tried to take it together and you look like a goofball, but she looks really good, and that's the one you're going with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one you're going with because no matter how I look, we're still putting it on her because she's smiling just right, my baby. She's smiling just And, and the reality is we all do those things, and there's photographs. Hey, baby, you know I got it. And so, listen, the the thing is, we we use photographs everywhere. We use photographs everywhere. And and Matthew chapter 6, he says, for where the heart is, so shall the treasure shall be. And so many times in the past, we would be able to look at where your money is spent, and you would say, where your money is spent, there there shall your treasure be, where you spend your money. For most of us, if we look at our bank account, most of us spend on fast food. Justin the other day was talking to me while we were running, and he was talking about his guitar again. So shall his treasure be, so shall his heart be. You guys are okay right now. We can talk about that? Okay. They were kind of shaky there for a minute. He bought a guitar without approval. But where your heart is at, your treasure shall be at. But now, because we have these social media sites, where your photos are at, so shall your heart be. If you would look back over the last year of your life and just begin to, because how many know if you're on there a lot, it becomes a diary or a journal of your life? Yeah. And so if the most important thing to you is food, every single time that you get to a plate of food, you got to take a picture of it before you eat it. It's got to go on there. Before you even say grace, before you bless it, everybody in the world has got to know about your chicken noodle soup. I'm going to get somewhere. Y'all, I'm going to get preaching here in a minute. And, and so the reality is, so you'll, you'll, you'll do that. Or it may be your kids. Some people love their kids. Did you hear how I said that? Some people love their kids. <laughs> I promise that was a joke. And so they love them so much that every little move they make, they got to put little Johnny on there. If he, if he takes his first step, you got to put it on there. If he takes his 300 step, you got to put it on there. If he, if he does anything, you got to put it on there. That may not be your thing. Maybe nature's your thing. And, and so the reality is you can look back over your life, and if you want to know who you are, just look at how you're posting. Look back over the night, last year of your life. Because what I found out is your heart, because the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will begin to speak. If you want to know why you're constantly attracting negativity, if you back, go back over the last year of your life and that's all you've posted is negativity, I promise you, you have become a magnet for negativity. If you can't figure out what drama is constantly in your life, but you are a drama queen, a drama king, and that's all that's in your life. And so the reality is, and so there's constantly drama in your life. And every single time that something goes wrong, you're out to post it. How many you know everybody don't need to know your business? Because what happens is when you give them the opportunity to know your business, now they have an opinion into your business. And when you finally get your junk straightened out, they don't, they don't forget how you posted something a month ago. You may now forgive your husband today, but they still remember a month ago when you called him a jerk and a loser on a social media site. And so when you're constantly allowing yourself to put all of your stuff out there, the good, the bad, the ugly, it begins to attract what's inside of your life. But I found out about these pictures is, is that we went from a thing to where not only do you have to take 80 pictures before you ever put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, is that also now there's this little thing called an edit button and a filter button. A filter button to where now, if you don't really like the way you look, you can take a certain little photoshopping little thing and you can erase that if your teeth don't look just right, if your eyes don't just look right, 
If you got acne for the day, you can wipe it all off. You can take a filter and you can begin to switch it and one will become darker. One will have more color in it. We begin to see even in the photos that all of them had filters running across it. And every one, by the way, Justin, your duck lips were my favorite. I just want to say that. I just want to say it. Uh, and, and so the, <laughs> I know that was Sarah. She got you up to that. And so the reality is we use these filters to, to make ourselves look different than what we're looking into. And today, we don't know what's real all the way around us. We don't know what's real. We don't know what's real. Every photo that's almost put out there today is photoshopped and is filtered. And so we don't know what is real when we're looking at it. And some people will get on there. The new phrase is hashtag no filter. It means that it's all natural. It means that it's been untouched. It means that nothing has been changed. But the reality is, and you may not be able to know that until it's fully examined by someone that knows the truth. Mm. You may not be able to know what's completely real around you until it's examined by the truth. Because there's a whole lot of fakes going around in the world today. And can I say this? There's not just a whole lot of fakes going on on the social media, but there's a whole lot of fakes even up in the church. You may not say amen, but I'll say amen to myself. There's a whole lot of fakes even up in the church. And some of them even carry the mic. Some of them even play the guitar. Some of them meet you at the front door. And I found out when I say fake, that doesn't mean that I got problems and I need Jesus. Yeah, so you're not hearing me right. Because all of us are sick and come short of the glory of God. And it's one thing to say, I need his grace and I need his presence and I need a worship and I need praise because I got something inside of me that needs it. But it's when you say, I don't need all that, but I just need to be in church. Yeah. And so you sit there hypocritically wondering. And so there's all these people around you that have filters all over themselves. Filters. You sit at work and there's people with filters all over themselves. They come to work and you don't know before they checked in, before they ever put the check-in button. They sit in the car trying to convince themselves to get it together and just smile before they ever come in the door. Smile, just smile. Because if I can just make it through this day. Yeah, if I can just make it through this day. I remember being young. I remember being young, and I remember growing up, and I remember there would be crazy stuff going on in the house because when you grow up with boys in the house, we're always causing problems. And I remember my mom would be yelling at us to the top of her lungs. Yeah, yelling at us. You wait till your daddy gets home and all this stuff. But the moment the phone rings. Hello? Who is that? That ain't the person that was just talking to me. And we all do it. We check in at work. We check in at church. We check in at the gas station. But when we finally go home, we take the filter off and then we take the mask off and we don't even know who we are in itself. A filter is described as, it says that, uh, it says that a filter shifts the light and it distorts rearranging the picture to get different effects from the natural image itself. It is decide, it is defined as something that prevents light, sound, electric noises, or something passing through it. So it distorts. It keeps certain lights out within it, and there's shadows all within it. And the reality is that filters can be good and it can be bad. Because how do you know if you're in a third world country and even here in America that when we get water, it is filtered through a process. To all the negativity, is filtered through a thing to where finally the good stuff comes out. And so filtering is a good thing. It's a good thing. Somebody say it's a good thing. It's a good thing that something is being filtered in itself. But the reality is, if we're filtering ourselves through the judgment of other people, we'll always be left empty on the other side. If we're filtering ourselves to where our past is on this side, and we're filtering our life through our past to who we are now, we'll always be like the Pharisee, never knowing who we are and where we're going. You ain't hearing me today. If we're filtering ourselves through our emotions and through ourselves and through what we're going through now rather than through faith, we'll never know where we're going. And the only thing that we can filter ourselves through is through Jesus. 
Okay, you ain't hear what I'm saying because I would have been even louder than that. I'm telling you, the only thing that we can filter ourselves through is through Jesus. Because what we have a phrase today is we have this thing where we have this hashtag no filter. I don't know if you ever see it. Sometimes it's real scary. It'd be a girl standing there. I mean, look like she just crawled out of bed. No, no makeup, hair, everything. Hashtag no filter. Scares the daylights out of you. I just want to like drop my phone. I'm so scared. Whoa, whoa. Put a filter back on, go back to the bathroom, get that together and come back. Y'all ever seen people come into work and it looks like they hit a no filter? Look like they rolled out of bed, wrinkled up, hair everywhere. But I'm here, y'all. Go in the bathroom, get yourself together, and come back out before you see the public, please. (laughs) And the reality is, so there's this thing where I want to address this in a couple different ways because a no filter can be good and it can be bad. Right? That this is all of me, and I'm real, and I'm raw, and this is every single thing in my life. But what's happened with this I'm real thing is that it's crept into our culture. You ever heard these people say, I'm just real? You even hear it in church, I'm just real. No, you're just real fleshly is what you are. No, you're just real fleshly is what you are. Because all I want to be is real Jesus inside of me. I don't want to be the real rich because the real rich messes up a whole lot of things. The real rich says things that shouldn't be said. The real rich thinks things that I shouldn't think. The real rich does some things that I shouldn't do. And it ain't just me because Paul said, even when I meant to do good, I messed it all up. Even when I I thought good was in the room, bad showed up in my life. And so it ain't just me. And we've got in this culture that I'm just real. I'm just real. And what happens is we get to the point in our life where what we think is right, what we think is right, it must be. Well, I think I should be a billionaire and drive 90 miles an hour everywhere. It doesn't mean it's true. I, live, I wish I lived on the Autobahn, Paul, and lived in, in Germany and could just drive 120 miles an hour. But there are laws and regulations in place, not just to keep me safe, but to keep others safe. And so the reality is, Jesus says, yes, there are some laws. Mm, there are some laws to keep us, and there are some cam- commandments, and there are some guidelines to keep us within safety. But the reality is, he said, what's more important than law is grace. Because what I found out is a lot of people are scared of that word grace because they say no people want to take advantage of that. But I want to let you know that if it was not for grace, if it was not for grace, it would have not confined you to where you were at. Because what I found out is when you get enough of grace in your life, you won't want what what was on the other side of the wall anymore because Jesus saved you and put you back in place. Don't tell me this ain't true because uh, Peter, Peter, one of the biggest, strongest apostles, uh, disciples there was, who constantly made mistakes, who would be the first person to stand up and say, I don't need the law, I don't need the law, and constantly make mistakes. But what I found out is when you make a mistake hard enough, oh my good God, when you make a mistake hard enough and Jesus shows up on the shore after you made the mistake and says, Peter, I love you. He doesn't judge you in the law, but he says, in grace, I love you. In grace, I love you. You know what it did? It shifted Peter into his rightful place as an apostle. And so I want to let all the religious people know that when grace is applied, I promise you, it will put you into a place of authority to where you want to do right. Oh my good God, we got to have a biblical standard again. We got to have a biblical truth again. We got to have people that stand up, not in law and without mercy, but people that stand up in love and with grace and say, let me show you a better way. Let me show you a life that you are missing. My good God. So the reality is we need some type of filter. We need, and let me say this because... Or to the place, have you ever met someone that has no filter on their voice? No filter. I mean, it's like, it's like things that go from here go here real quickly. And sometimes I wonder, does it even hit here? It just goes straight out. You know what I'm talking about, right? There's no filter here. 
Maybe you're not seeing me for the glasses. There's no filter right here. Look at somebody beside you and say, get a filter. Get a filter. What's the filter we need? The Bible says, let us all be in one mind, which that mind is within Christ. It's in Philippians chapter 2. He said, let this mind be within you, which is also in Christ Jesus. The filter that we've got to walk through is through the biblical word of God. To where we can't just say whatever we want to say without any repercussion. We say things and we, we just hope that things will not come back. Can I tell you something? Sorry, don't make up for it. I'm going to help you right there in your marriage. Sorry does not make up for what you just said or for what you just did. Sorry is when you change your actions and your actions say I'm sorry and it filters through a place of love to where now the spouse on the other side of you says now I know they're sorry because their life shows that they're sorry. Can I tell you something? Coming to this altar and telling Jesus sorry does not make a difference in your life until you get up and turn in grace and say grace let my life now turn around and God says now I can use Oh, my good God. There's this thing where it says your thoughts will become your words and your words will become your actions. Have you ever heard that before? Your thoughts. And the Bible says that within there in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where all strongholds are made are made within the thoughts. They're made within the thoughts. You want to get strongholds out of your life, you've got to think. You've got to think differently. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. If you think addictions, you always live in addictions. If you think in poverty, you always live in poverty. If you think in drama, you always live in drama. If you think in dysfunction, you always live in dysfunction. And the biggest battlefield of the mind, Joyce Myers has a book on it. It's a great book. You should read it. It changes. You've got to shift your mindset before anything. Have you ever noticed when you go to work out, you've got to convince yourself first? You ever thought that way? I've got to get it up here that I'm going running before I ever go running. I've got to get it up here that I'm going to eat a salad before I actually eat a salad. And I don't know about y'all, if y'all have ever ever seen me eat a salad, I complain the whole entire time. Suzanne works with me, and I'm telling you, every time I eat a salad, I say, this is stupid, this is dumb, I'm not a rabbit, why am I eating like this? There is steak inside, there's hamburgers inside, why in the world am I doing this to myself? And I complain the whole entire time. Why would you be a vegan? I'm sorry to all the vegans in the house, why would you be a vegan? I saw this the other day, have you ever seen somebody mowing lawn, does it ever make a vegan's mouth water? But I guarantee you cook a steak, it'll make everybody's in the, in the whole neighborhood, the whole neighborhood's mouth start watering. I'm sorry to the vegans in the house. I'm sorry to you. I'm sorry. Jesus said for me to have dominion over top of the cows and the pigs. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> How in the world did I get there? Okay. It's got to, it's got to start in your mind. All right. Hallelujah. We're back. It's got to start in your mind. It has to start in your mind. The filtering process has to start here. And then as it gets here, it begins to come out right here. And as you get your words lined up, James says your words will become a rudder to your life. If you watch your wording, you can see how your life is going. I'll never be nothing. You'll always be going down that road. I'll never make it. You're always going down a going nowhere road. My marriage will never work. You might as well go to the courthouse. But if you begin to line up your word and say, by his stripes, I am healed. It's not my words, but it's his word. I am more than a conqueror through him that is through Christ that is within me. Uh, that, uh, you need to begin to speak it. That who God put together, no man can take asunder. Who God made us one, they cannot tear apart us as two. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You need to proclaim that over your house and say, my kids will be saved. (laughs) Get on the treadmill and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Justin, remind me of that Tuesday. Please, Jesus. Amen. So as your words go. So then it's got to go through your words. He says there, 
In Ephesians chapter 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. My good God. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time your words gave grace to somebody else? And I ain't talking about the people you like. I'm talking about the people you don't like. We all got that list, right? Am I the only person? You need to write on that list, how is my words giving grace to that person? Are they building that person up? And, and some people may say, and I'm guilty of this, well, I haven't said a word to them in a while. Sometimes your actions alone speak louder than your words. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, follow my example as I follow Christ. Our actions have got to be, are we leading other people to Christ in everything we are doing? We are ambassadors in the earth. God chose us for such a time as this, and we've got to lead others to Christ. So my point of all the texts is, here comes, here comes the Pharisees with an adulterous woman. And there's three different filters going on here. Three different filters. There's three. And there is the woman who is an adulterer who is in complete darkness, and the filter is complete darkness because she is completely in sin. Now there is the Pharisees who think they're out of sin, they're in light, but the reality is they are filtered through a place of shadows, and they're filtered through a place of religion and through a place of judgment. Then there's Jesus, my good God, who says there, I am filtered through love, grace, and I see it the way it really is. And I am filtered completely through light. Let me deal with the woman with the filter of the complete darkness. When all you know is darkness, you don't know how to get out of it. When all you know is darkness, you don't know how. And can I tell you something? When you've sat in darkness long enough, I know someone says if you'll just flip on the switch, the light, it'll make you feel better. You'll get out. But can I tell you something? When you first flip on the light of of anything, sometimes it hurts worse in the beginning. Who likes to be woken up in the morning with the light immediately being flipped on? You better not flip my light on. You better let me have at least five minutes of snoozing, maybe 30. Preach. And the reality is, you got to let me have a time to get through this thing. And so a lot of times we just think we come in as believers and we flip on the light. And you don't realize the people, when they recoil from you, it's because the truth hurts them. But what you got to do is keep easing the light in. Easing the grace in. It doesn't mean you give up on them. That means you just ease it in. If you notice, Jesus immediately didn't start dealing with the woman, but he dealt with the religious before he did the woman. And he wrote on the ground three times before he ever spoke to anybody. He eased the light on. And what, what most theological, theologians think that Jesus was doing, because you remember when Moses came down off the mountain and he had the tablets who he had written, Jesus, God had written on the tablets the commandments. What most theologians think that Jesus was doing was he was sitting there writing, rewriting the law with his hands. I can't tell you that's really what he was doing. I'm just telling you, most theologians believe that he was rewriting the law and he was rewriting it with grace and he was rewriting it with great, with mercy. He was rewriting it with his blood. He was rewriting it with the cross and he began to say a new commandment. And as he began to sign it, he stood up and said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for this one that everybody else says. And, and I always want to be a church. I always want to be here in one life. That no matter what darkness is being thrown at people, we can stand there and write in the sand that my grace is sufficient. My mercy is still sufficient. His blood is still enough for no matter who walks in through the door. He dealt with it right. But then he dealt with the religious because he knew they were going to have to be dealt with in a totally different way. And let me say this, and I, you may not understand this wording, but have you ever heard this word called throwing shade? Maybe you ain't never heard it, but it's, it's a word called throwing shade. It means that you can be talking to somebody. Have you ever seen somebody talk to you out the corner of their eye, and they're throwing shade at you the whole time? Really? And they're casting judgment upon you without ever saying a word. 
And if we're not careful as a church, throwing shade means throwing darkness on people rather than throwing light at people. To where when you should be the only one at your job casting light, you're still casting darkness because it's easier to get with a group of people. And when they, you've been hearing all the rumors about them, you've been hearing it because you're a part of it. And as soon as they walk in the room, instead of casting light at them or love at them, you get part of the crowd and you begin to throw darkness at them just like everybody else. The religious folks said, it Moses wrote it, Jesus. He said, what say you? He said, I said, my grace is still sufficient. I remember when we opened up these doors and we had a little yard sale out on the lawn. And you want to have a yard sale, I'm telling you, especially at a church, every religious person in the county will show up at the church. And, and, and they would ask us questions about stuff that happened 25 years ago. Well, is that guy still around here? I said, yeah, he's right inside. You want to go meet him? It made them all nervous. Well, what kind of denomination are y'all? They wanted to ask all the religious questions. What kind of doctrine y'all have here? Because that name one life don't make a whole lot of sense. What kind of doctrine y'all? I keep telling them, we're all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. It's every answer I'd give them. We're all about Jesus. And you know what I found out about that name Jesus? It makes people nervous. It makes religious folk nervous. And I'm telling you, when you ain't got the answer, just say, we're about Jesus. When you're in line and people come at you, say, we're about Jesus. You may look crazy, because I looked crazy a couple times, because I was just smiling more about Jesus. And inside me, I'm thinking, if you really knew how, what I really wanted to say to you, but I'm going to filter it, we're about Jesus. And religious folk ain't got no answer for that. And so can I tell you something? If you're around here long enough, religious folk are going to get messed up with you because y'all shouldn't be having church the way y'all do down there. Y'all shouldn't have that kind of freedom. Y'all couldn't have that kind of celebration. Y'all shouldn't have where you can just wear jeans or wear shorts or wear a suit. It doesn't matter what you wear. You just come in the door ready to worship Jesus. And can I tell you something? You're going to find that judgment, but you just say we're all about Jesus. We're all about getting people to Jesus. We're all about worshiping Jesus. We're all about praising Jesus. That's all we're about. Ah, but Jesus stood there and he began to talk to them about grace and he began to talk to them about mercy and he began to talk to them about things that the law had never heard before because the law said kill, the law said destroy, the law said steal, the law said put people stoned, begin to break people, cast them out. And he said, grace, 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 mercy, mercy. He said, my mercy, my grace. I don't know about you. Have you ever been just washed in his grace? I dare you just to praise him right there where you're at just for about 10 seconds just because of his mercy. I want to tell you what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, and he says it in the message version. He said, I am the world's light. Oh, my goodness. He said, no one, no one who follows me stumbles in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. This is how the religious folk answer. He said, I hear you, but all we have is your words, and that ain't enough. I want to stop right here and I'm going to end with this. When you get Jesus' word on anything, it's plenty enough. One thing I found about his word and his prophetic word is that sometimes it won't happen overnight. It won't happen in a month. It won't happen in a year. Sometimes it takes a season, and God's seasons are way above your seasons. His time is totally different than your timing. And the reality is, one word from God may take you a lifetime to live within. But can I tell you something? When you get a word from God, I promise you with everything that is within me, if you get a word from God, you hold on to it because his word is true. Mm. I'm seeing his word come to pass of things that were spoken to me at 13, 14 years ago. Things that I thought I should give up on. Things I thought I would never come to pass. But I'm telling you, when a word has come to pass, you better hold on to it with everything in you. I don't care who leaves you. I don't care what you lose. If you got a word from God, you hold on to it. Because I'm telling you, God is taking you where his word is designed to go. 
I know I said I was going to end, but let me tell you this. When he says there in, G- in Genesis chapter 1, he begins to talk about the light. And Jesus and God said, in the beginning, the very first thing he created before he created the heavens and the earth, and before he created the skies, and before he created the animals, and before he created the greens, and before he created the animals, he said, before he created man, he said, let there be light. Let there be light. He said, let there be light. But the reality is the light he was speaking about was not a natural light. Because in a few days later, in day three, he said, let, let there be a natural light, a sun that separates from the moon, one that separates the darkness from the light. And I thought it was very interesting because when I began to see it, I said, God, what is this light and what is this light? And he said, that light right there is the answer for the problem before it ever comes. It is the answer for the problem before it ever comes. He said, because when I know, when I make man in my image, they are made with flaws because they're out of the dust of the earth. And he says, the reality is, I know they're going to sin, and I've got to give an answer to the sin before it ever happens. God is not surprised by our dysfunction. He's not surprised by our mess. He's not surprised by our sin. But he has the answer for it before you ever walk in to it. He's already got an answer that was prepared before you ever walked in that day. Before the doctor ever told you you were sick. He said, I've got an answer for it. Before you ever, the doctor ever opened his mouth. Before you ever walked through the divorce. God said, I got an answer before it. Before you ever walked into it. I got an answer for every single thing that is troubling you in this earth. (sighs) I want to challenge you the very next thing that you walk through. No matter how troubling it is, I want there to be a comfort that rolls across you that God already has an answer. God, I thank you that you got an answer even when I don't see it. Oh my good God. Can you just lift your hands? Just begin to praise him. God, I thank you, God, that you got an answer. God, even before I begin to see it, God. God, even before I know it, God, you already got an answer. God, you didn't let me come into this day, God, to be left in this day. God, you didn't let me walk into this season, God, for this season to end like this. Oh, my goodness. Can you just stand with me and begin to worship him right there where you're at? Come on. I want you to begin to remove the filters of your life. Remove the filters. Come on, just begin to lift your hands right there where. Remove the filters of your life. Remove your past. Remove your current. Remove the sickness. Remove the judgment. And I want you to throw it all off. And the only filter I want you to walk into is Jesus. The only filter I want you to see right now is Jesus. Come on. Come on. Just begin to lift up your voice. Come on right there where you're at. Come on. You guys begin to play. David, begin to play. Come on. Come on, begin to lift up your hands and say, God, I'm taking off the filters. I'm taking off. I'm taking off the filters, God. You know what? You may be in one of three places. You may be the woman that's in adultery, that's in complete darkness. That may be you. You may be the one, the the religious that's coming at you. It may be you too. Your words have gotten out of control. You also might be the one that the thoughts and the words have been all jumbled up because feelings have got in the way. Emotions have got in the way. And I don't know where you're at today, but God wants to give you life and that life more abundantly. (laughs) I know you're saying this message is too good to be true. No, no, no. It ain't about this message. I'm telling you, Jesus is good enough. (sighs) Oh, my God. If you just knew what it was to live in Jesus, I'm telling you, it'll take away everything else. If that's you today, I want you to come to this altar. We're going to pray with you. We're going to connect. We're going to pray. We're going to take off the filters. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you know you need it, come on. Maybe you need Jesus in this place. That's okay. He's here to meet you. His grace is sufficient for you. All I want is just to know 
As I begin to pray, if there's more of you, I'm pleading with you, come. I'm telling you, if you get one touch from God, God will begin to shift everything you're walking through. So see, 
See? 